0: Folks, my name is Jacques. So great to be with you and bring the word this morning. And we are busy with a series entitled Wholeness. And this is the second part. We started it last week. And uh, I I was when I asked for prayer this morning in the pre service, I, I said to the team, I think my prayer for the word this morning is, is not what to say, it's what not to say. Because the topic of wholeness is just such a big topic but it's so important and I and I gave some motivation last uh, last week about why we're looking at this topic of wholeness. I'm going to give a brief summary and then we're going to go into what I want to look at this this week. And the first thing is let's just go to the opening slide wholeness. And this verse Psalm 18 verse 20. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. Folks, completeness is another word for wholeness. And this verse speaks about when I placed all the pieces before Him. You know, the opposite, I think, what would be the opposite word for wholeness? I think it's probably brokenness. And how many of you would say pieces is a good description for brokenness when you're in pieces? You know, folks, we go through life, we live in a fallen world. There are pieces, uh, pieces, (laughs) <laughs> we we end up in pieces just because you know what, there are some people that are <clears throat> don't have such sanctified motives and aspirations and and we also sometimes get you know off track with God's first first plan A for our lives and we end up in pieces. And I shared with you last week that a lot of this material that I've been inspired by for this series comes from Mads Dasel. Uh, she's a counselor and and she's got really good counseling material. So just want to honor her and thank her for that and it's stuff she's published in the public domain. And I'm just sharing some of the truths that she's she's published. And um, I I said last week also you know that as leaders we need to seek wholeness. We need to seek healing in our personal lives. And uh, Jen and I have actually been engaging by email with Mads about, about seeing her for some counseling. And I thought it may be helpful for me to write down, and I wrote down a list, and I entitled it, Why See a Counselor? And I just wrote ideas, thoughts. Now, being a trained counselor, I may be more aware of things to look out for in a person's life if you're seeking a counselor. And so what I did is I wrote this list, and I wrote it, and then, you know, once you write, then you're thinking, and then, you know, you're thinking of a whole lot more things to write down, so I probably went to this list a couple of times. And I was quite surprised, shocked is more a better word, to see how many things I wrote down. I was like, oh my goodness. And then I showed it to my wife, and, and I asked her this question. I said, Jen, looking at this list, is there anything on the list that, is surprising to you, don't know. And she said, no, I, I, I'm aware of, of, of all these things. So, it's not that I'm hiding things from my wife. But what was so significant was, I felt like these are pieces of me. You know, this verse speaks about when I placed all the pieces before him. That list, I felt like these were pieces that I was bringing before the Lord. And I was, I think the one thing is about drawing, list like this, is it's kind of all the hard stuff, the tough stuff, the not nice stuff, all grouped together. Now, fortunately, life isn't always like that. You know, there's good stuff, and I've had a lot of good prayer and a good input and promises of God and everything, so it's not all just, you know, a total total wipeout. But when you do a list like that, you're like, oh wow, goodness gracious. And I I was quite, I was quite me say I was like I don't know how to say it it impacted my soul and I and I took it to the Lord and I and I had this picture you know you bring things and your spirit perceives things and I'll try and I felt like I literally saw like these pallets and each pallet was one of these things that I'd written on my list and this room it was like quite a big room like a small warehouse was full of all these pallets of these things and I asked Jesus to come and I asked the Lord to come and look at my stuff my pieces and I was literally felt like I was doing that I was placing these pieces before him and I was saying Lord look at my pallets look look let's let's and 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 I want to say I'm it's a journey it's not like a quick little you know my wife said you know bless him heal him lord and it's all sorted out some of these pieces need time with the Lord time with a wise counselor to actually visit and unpack the pallet and figure out you know, what do we do with us? Some of the stuff we chuck away. Sometimes, you know, we wash it in the blood. It gets redeemed, etc. You get to keep it. Some of the stuff gets chucked out. And I'm using metaphors for, for how we deal with these things. But I, my desire is, God, make my life complete. But that means I need to bring the pieces before Him. And how about you? What are your pieces? You know, there's a time of the year where, you know, for many people, you're kind of winding down. And remember, I was inspired by this podcast Jenny listened to. He said, before you get into the next year, planning the 1,001 things you're going to do to change the world next year, how about take some time to deal with your stuff so that you're in a healthier, better place for next year to go and go out roaring to go and change the world. Amen. So it's a good time to come on this journey of wholeness with us. What are your pieces? Maybe you should write down a list of your pieces that you need to bring before the Lord? Remember, he's not surprised by it. But have you invited him to come into those spaces and look at your palettes of the stuff that you need to deal with? So, I want to just pre- briefly, that we looked at the scripture last week, but here's a promise for you. The Word brings faith. You know, one of my things is, I have said, as we're doing this series Yes, the opposite of wholeness is brokenness. We can't deny the fact that if we're pursuing wholeness, we need to look at the places and spaces that we are broken. We need to look at those pieces. Is the goal to stay broken? No. The goal is wholeness, is healing, is wellness. But folks, we've got to be aware also of the enemy strategy. We're going to look at that, of how we get broken so that we can know how to pursue wholeness and stop from getting Uh, Prevent him from bringing more brokenness in our life. So this verse, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole. (laughs) Ha ha! I like that word. That's where we get wholeness from. Make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. I love that word, put you together. I have a picture of a of a movie, and it was a kids movie. And I literally yesterday I was looking for movie clips, and I couldn't find it. I thought it was maybe in one of the Toy Story movies, where a toy falls on the ground, you know, and it's broken in a broken in a many pieces, and then you know it gets put together again. I kind of have that metaphor of what this looks like. You know, you go through life, you get you get a knock, wow, and the pieces go flying. And you're now coming to the Lord and you're picking up the pieces. And anyway, I couldn't find a good video clip, but I'm sure you can think of one. Uh, but it says, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master Jesus Christ. Keep you fit. <laughs> and all the non-runners said, yes, Lord, I don't have to run. The Lord's going to keep me fit. Okay? Remember, guys, it's not just physical fitness over here. Okay? This is... Body, soul, and spirit. Okay, that's what this verse is referring to. Body, soul, and spirit in every area. Amen? And uh, a little definition of wholeness uh, over there is this. The state of being well or healed in all dimensions, as the Bible says. Spirit, soul, and body. And your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your mind, will, and emotions. Somebody was praying this morning pre-service prayer. Maybe it was Lynn. Was it you, Lynn, praying about that the Lord, or was it Ann? Praying that people would be okay to bring the hard emotions to the Lord. Are you okay to do that? So this is what we are going after. Last week we looked at these three points, and I want to just summarize because we're going to build off this. Three core attributes that make us human. Okay? Firstly, we looked at love. Every single human being desires to love and be loved. Purpose, or calling, every single human being wants to know what their purpose for being alive is. And three, value, every single human being wants to know their value. Now, I'm not going to unpack that. We looked at a number of scriptures around that last week. Listen to last week's message to unpack it. But folks, last week I defined this as three core attributes that make us human. But folks, this, this list is a list of the deepest human needs that you and I have the deepest needs and folks if you you need to understand and I've seen many I've seen many lists of what are the basic deepest human needs and and I like this list it's simple it's easy to remember etc I like this list but the significant thing about this is in understanding that we're on a journey towards wholeness that these needs drive us very often subconsciously. We will go to places and spaces where these aspects, we feel these needs are met, these needs are nurtured, these needs are fed. And I mean, it's a no-brainer for, I mean, most of us understand, for example, in the area of relationships, how people can get into such unhealthy relationships with such unhealthy people and why? Because these deep needs inside—they're not, you know—they're not always stupid. Sometimes people can see this person's not good for me, but that person still meets an aspect of this, and so they stay committed to a person or in a relationship that's really unhealthy. Now, that's an easy one to understand. But this morning, I want to unpack some other places and spaces that we go to to meet these deep needs that in and of themselves, can be good and they can be God. But if it's taking the place of what God needs to fill inside of us and healthy relationships, it's not good. I want to submit to you, God and healthy relationships should and need to fulfill a lot of what this is. Unhealthy relationships may meet a part, but it actually destroys you in other areas and we need to look at that i remember speaking to a young person recently and i mean they were they were pursuing a relationship and it was kind of rocky but one of the aspects one of the aspects this person said he said i feel like this person doesn't value me and you know when they said that it kind of an alarm bell went off inside of me and i was like that is not right. And, and anyway, I mean, we had chats and, and we, we actually dealt with it. But folks, there are healthy ways to meet these needs and unhealthy ways. And this is what we're going to get on. You and I get broken when we pursue these deep needs, meeting these needs in unhealthy ways. So we've all got smashed up. Okay, all of us. Because we come from we come from places where that's how our family does things. This is how our friends do things. You know, everybody... You know, it was so funny. I was listening to somebody uh, recently. And they were talking about Western culture. And they said, Western culture on the outside purports to pursue individualism, individual rights. You have huge rights. You can do what you want, etc. Don't undermine my rights. But yet, the, it is a society that so immensely wants to conform to what their friendship groups are doing or being like. It's like the irony of, you want to be so much like, if everybody's wearing this kind of shirt and this kind of dress, Or okay, guys don't wear dresses, I get it, but, well, I can't say that anymore, maybe. <laughs> oh, I just got into trouble right there, sorry guys, I don't mean to offend anybody, okay. Um, so, I want to look at this aspect of these deep fundamental human needs and how we how we get to fulfill them and meet them so i'm going to jeremiah 2 verse 3 very special scripture to jenny and i and this verse Jenny went to a counselling conference in the early 90s in Cape Town. I remember the church you went to, Lila's Christian Centre, and Selwyn Hughes was the speaker. Selwyn Hughes, amazing Christian counsellor and pastor. He wrote a little devotional book that Jenny and her mom did, and they got me into it. And he was an amazing guy. He passed away a few years ago. And he came to Cape Town. He's from the UK. He came to Cape Town, he did this counselling training. And, you know, Jen's heart has always been. She studied psychology. Uh, you know, got a degree in psychology. Her heart has always been to help people. So when she heard Selwyn Hughes was training on counseling, she went. And I remember her coming back. It was like a whole weekend: Friday night, Saturday. I mean, it was hours and hours. He did a whole session, one whole session on Jeremiah 2 verse 13. I had known, I didn't really know the scripture. Probably read it, but it never sunk home. And Jenny just unpacked the scripture and was like, Yo. It was so amazing. So, what does Jeremiah 2.13 say this? It says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. And Selwyn so you spent a whole session just unpacking this. What is this talking about? This is talking about how we endeavor to meet our great, greatest needs. And the Lord is saying we have two options. Either we can come to Him, the spring of living water, and He's saying the people of God had forsaken God, turned from God, and what they had tried to do was dug their own systems, broken systems that cannot hold water. And this is what happens when we try and meet our needs in unhealthy places and spaces. We get broken. We, we, we cannot satiate that deep need for love, for purpose, and for value if we don't go to God. The Creator, the one who made us, the one who knows to fulfill and fill those deepest needs. So I was I asked Jane actually, I said, you listen to her, what is a cistern? And I was like, you listen to a whole lecture and you can't tell me what a cistern is. So anyway, fortunately, Uncle Google knows what cistern is. And gave me this picture, which I thought, okay, that really helps me a lot. Okay? So there's a picture of a little house on the left. And there's a cistern contrasted with a well on the right-hand side. So a cistern, listen, the best way to describe it is... A JoJo tank. Okay, you all thought, hey, "Are you talking about a JoJo tank? Why didn't you say a JoJo tank? Why do you call sister? I never heard of a assistant. I thought it maybe you know related to my sister or something like that." Okay, no, 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 no. It's an old fashioned jojo tank, okay? And they would dig it in the ground, they would line it with clay because wet clay is waterproof, okay? And then you would basically channel and uh, channel water, you know, in that case from your roof whatever into the system to keep water. Clever idea, jojo tank. Okay, those guys were clever back in the day. But what is contrasted with in this picture and why I chose this picture as opposed to 10,000 other Google diagrams on what a system, a system is, is they're showing a well. And at the bottom of the well, you can see groundwater. Now, in the ground, depending on where you are, uh, the depth varies. But there's groundwater because when it rains, a lot of water runs off down rivers, but a lot of it goes down into the ground. And there's water underneath it. And that's why we dig boreholes nowadays. Back in the day, they used to dig wells. Okay, so there's a well. It's been dug down to the groundwater. The groundwater is there, natural, etc. But this verse speaks about um, they've forsaken me, the spring of living water. The spring of living water. And I was like, that picture... I I, I was going to get to this last week. We never got to this picture. And I'm glad I didn't. Because when I was preparing this week, I went to this picture and I said, that well is not a spring. A spring is different to a well. So... I got out my artistic skills. And on the next slide, you can see I extended the diagram for you. And I drew a natural spring. Okay, don't you think it's brilliant? Okay, just call me Picasso or Rembrandt or somebody like that. Okay, I'll probably get a million bucks for that bit of artwork in a few years' time. But what I've drawn there, okay, a well is man-made. It's dug. A natural spring has no none none of man's efforts in. So you can find a natural spring in a low area in the ground where what happens at that point where the the groundwater naturally just comes out of the ground. That's a natural well. I remember years ago um, my grandfather stayed on a farm in the in the Western Cape, and uh, I mean he my mom told me he was he was just quite an amazing guy. They, I asked my mom, I said, when did you get electricity on the farm? When my mom was a kid, they didn't have electricity on the farm candles and, you know, a coal stove and everything. She said, they were the first in the district to have electricity. I said, what? My grandfather installed a hydroelectric. Um, Electricity generating scheme on the farm because they had a stream of permanently running water. He installed hydroelectric. Before they had in town, they had electricity on the farm. I was like, no ways, grandpa. And he didn't have Google. I'm like, how does he find this stuff out? This is like in the 1940s, you know? It's like anyway. I was amazed at my granddad. Anyway, but he took me one time uh, to uh, to a uh, to a natural spring where there was this one house on the farm that was far from the other house, far from, it was up on the hill, and I was like, where do you get your water from? So he said, no, there's a spring up here on the side of the mountain. And I, and I said, I'd love to see it, Opa. And I went, and Opa took me to this, on the side of the mountain, there was this hollow, and bubbling out of these rocks. It wasn't a lot. It was this, Crystal clear water. And then he built a little, a little weir to catch the water. And then he put one of those black PVC pipes and that just took the water down to the house. And we always had water. And I wondered where this water came from because the, the river was down there. Like, Opa found a little natural spring and he built a little weir and he took water to the house. And we never had a problem. Or they never had a problem at the house. So what I try to draw here was a natural spring. Where I assumed assume there was a natural depression or maybe there's an erosion gully that has been eroded, but it has gone down to the groundwater. So therefore you have access to the groundwater, but it's not man-made. You see, the cistern in the well is man-made, whereas the natural spring is not man-made. It's just there. Coming out of the ground could be the side of a mountain, could be in a river valley. Water just gushing out. Why? Because the the natural groundwater is coming out at that point. That's what's happening. And what is this speaking about? Jeremiah 2.13 speaks about the spring of living water versus broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So in that picture, I actually took the water out there. Can you see the cistern is empty? It's cracked. And what this is talking about, it is about... Trying to It's a picture showing where we try and fulfill those deepest needs ourselves. Me, myself, and I. I picked pick myself up by my bootstraps. I'm a self-made man or woman. I did it by myself. Folks, God never intended you to live like that. God desired you and me to walk in intimate, close fellowship and relationship with Him, dependent on Him to meet your deepest needs for love, for purpose, and for value. But we love to go and build ourselves systems, man-made. Look what I can do. I'm going to do this by myself. That rebellious, independent, um, selfish, self-centered streak inside of all of us. And the Lord says, These, this, this is what, he's literally looking at the children of Israel and said, this is what you are like. You're like a broken cistern. And your cistern, this is what he says, your cistern can't hold water. You think you can find love and purpose and value in and of yourself. You can't. It has, God designed you to get all that good stuff from Him and healthy relationships around you. And so, what I'm going to do in the next two slides, I'm going to rewind and just look at this was like a conclusion. What does the Lord say before this? In verse 2 of the same chapter, Jeremiah 2. He says, he says over there, I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert. Through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. The first fruits of his harvest. You know, I read that, that about I remember the devotion of your youth. Folks, when I, when I read that, I can put names there of young people when I was at university that were really devoted to the Lord. But I'm telling you today, their lives could be described as broken systems where they're trying to meet their deepest needs in such unhealthy ways, and they're getting more and more broken and smashed up. Verse 5. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. Sure. They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. Folks, remember, you become like the thing you worship. You will be conformed into the image of the thing you worship. If you worship a glorious God. Folks, let me tell you, I want to say emphatically, according to Scripture, your life will radiate glory to Him and for Him, not for yourself. But it becomes better, not better. Verse 11, same chapter, this is just before the previous verse uh, about broken systems. Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Remember I said you become, well the Bible says you become, uh, you become like the thing you worship. If you're worthy, worshiping other, something other than a glorious God, what's your life going to become like? How about if you worship a glorious God? Folks, the end is beautiful. Now, on the next slide, what I want to do is just unpack this a little bit more, this concept of idols. So, these broken cisterns, folks, represent the broken cisterns in the Scripture is, are the idols that God's talking about. Now, an idol, I know you guys think, okay? An idol, it's a little sculptured thingy. You know, I, I get the picture of a of a guy with a big belly. I don't know, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but... But, you know, kind of a fat little guy sitting on a show, you know, somewhere in your lounge, etc. And that's that's what you worship. But folks, idolatry or broken systems is not just for some people far away. There's something inside of us that says, I want to do it my way. You know the Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. I can do this by myself. And so... The temptation that the devil loves. It's part of the sin nature. The devil loves to tempt you and I to fulfill our deepest needs in ways that he knows going to smash us and going to cause us to be broken. So let's just look at this in my notes. The spring of living water versus the broken systems that cannot hold water. Sc- scripture literally calls anything we turn to to feed our critical needs of love, purpose and value an idol if it is not God. Okay, beautiful definition of what is what is idolatry. Idols can be ho, 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 relationships, career, achievements, or material possessions. Summarize that with fame and fortune. Folks, you know, those things, relationships, careers, achievements, or material possessions, in and of themselves, they're not bad. They are beautiful. God actually wants you to have those things but in a healthy way. We The problem is we get unhealthy in any one of those areas. I could spend all day telling you examples that I've seen, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for you, sometimes in my own life, where I have made some of those things take the place of God in my life. God, these things need to be kept healthy and whole they meant, God wants this. So you can find scriptures that promise these things to you, but they're not meant to take the place of God in your life. I, I, I just, I, this morning when I was thinking about this, you know, for example, achievements. Folks, have goals, it's beautiful. But you know how easy it is for a goal to become a god, and drive you, and then dump you? The example I often think of is, Morion Krill, She in the early 90s, she was one of the first South African swimmers to get a medal at the Olympic Games. I forget which one, early 90s. And I knew her, she was in our church, she was actually on staff at these People in Cape Town. I worked with a lovely, lovely lady. And Marianne, she said she trained for four years to take fraction, a fraction of a second off her, her backstroke time. For four years she trained. Uh, firstly, to qualify for the Olympics. Folks, the amount of time you need to swim a little bit faster for the Olympics nowadays is milliseconds. It's, it's little bits of slivers of time. For four years, she was determined. That's all she did is to get a medal at the Olympic Games. And she got it. She got bronze, folks. Remember, they just give three medals. Her goal was a medal. Not just, not necessarily gold. Gold, silver, or bronze. She got a bronze. When she touched and she saw she got it, she said she she said testify. She said it was the highlight of my life. I was on top of the moon. I've trained for four years to take fraction of a second of my backstroke time and she got it. And she, when she got on the podium there, she said, it was, I was on top of the world. I was on Mount Everest. I have done it. I've achieved my life goal. For four years, I've spent days and days in the swimming pool, early, late hours alone in the swimming pool training for this moment. I did it. She said, it was the highlight of my life, standing on that podium, the world looking at me, people cheering and shouting, etc. She said, when I took my foot off that podium, it was the low light of my life. She stepped off that podium and it came crashing down to her. What on earth do I do with my life now? I have had single focus on getting this medal. What do I do with my life now? And, and this is the thing, I'm sharing this with as an example. None of those things in and of themselves are bad. But if it becomes the thing that you are getting your value from, or your purpose from, or love from... And all of those, folks, achievements. You, you think, man, if I can just get to that place in life, get that degree, you know, if I can just have this kind, marry this kind of a person, you know, if I can just get that kind of a job, drive this kind of a car, then I will arrive. Everyone will love me, look up to me, adore me, and I will be satisfied. Folks, the basic needs are not met in those things. None of them are bad in and of themselves. These things are not wrong in and of themselves. But when we use them as a source of security and identity, problems easily arise as they will never satisfy a soul's deepest yearnings. If we looking at wholeness, folks, we need to understand where brokenness comes from. It, the enemy deceives us in thinking we are going to get our deepest needs met in those places. Those things are not bad of themselves. They're all promised of God. But they're not meant to take the place of God. Let's go on. What I want to do now is the enemy knows we have these needs and he knows that we foolishly pursue crazy ways of fulfilling these needs. So I want to look at three strategies that the enemy has against our life and how He tries to deceive us and cause us to smash up and get broken, okay? If we're going to get whole, one of the things is like, okay, we pray, we bring these pieces to God, God puts us together, but the next week, boom, we smash up again. Can we learn how to stop smashing up and breaking our lives? So let's look at And what I want to do, I'm going to pull out three strategies of the enemy from Genesis chapter 3. Last week we also looked at scriptures from Genesis, the beginning, the book of origins. And I'm going to just read these scriptures, these six verses from Genesis 3. I'm going to read them and then I'm going to pull out the three points. Okay, I just want to give the background. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say, you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden. If you read before, you'll know. No, it's not true. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. Verse 3, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. We go look at the Scripture. God didn't say you can't touch it. So anyway, she didn't quite underget it. If you do, you will die. Verse 4, You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Those are the verses. Now we know this is known as the fall. This is where it started. So we can learn from this. See, the enemy knows we have needs. And he comes with three strategies in that place of need. We are trying to fulfill these needs. And for whatever reason we forget, in God and healthy relationships, this is where this is going to happen. And he comes in that place. And this is how he tempts us. Three primary strategies of the enemy. Firstly, on the next slide. This is it. Doubt. Did God really say? Ha, ha. those are the words of Satan. Did God really say? He questions the promise of God that you and I have. He questions the word that you have got. You read it in the Bible. You got a prophecy. You sense deeply. The Lord said, "Boom, boom, boom," and then he comes and say, "Was it really God? Was that your imagination?" You know, was that the pizza that you ate last night in that dream that you had? Or was it God? Did God really say? His approach is often subtle to get us to question the truth and the goodness of God. Second strategy lies. You won't die. Ha! That's a lie, folks. This was a blatant lie as God had told them that by eating the fruit would result in death. Satan is known as the father of lies. If we don't know what the truth is, how will we be able to discern lies? We don't know what the truth is, folks. My praise that I would I would and you would hear truth coming through this word, through this series, that you would recognize the lies of the enemy. When he comes and he says, no, da, 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 go down that path, or this is not going to happen, or whatever the lies, you recognize and you say, no, that's not true. That is not God's plan. That is not what God has to say. And thirdly, the third temptation of the enemy is, oh, third strategy, sorry, is temptation. If you eat the fruit, you will be like God. Wow, that's a big temptation. I mean, you say, "Oh, being like God will be quite cool. You will be like God. Satan makes disobeying God look good. Hence, why Adam and Eve ended up breaking the only rule God had given them. Three strategies of the enemy. Doubt, lies, and temptation. Folks, and he brings that in the place of we have needs. We need love. We need purpose. And we need value, and he brings it in those places. He he puts it in a way that we kind of think that in in listening to his lies, in not believing God, in believing something else, in in, in being tempted to go another path. That happens in the place of needs, folks. Be aware that you are human, created in the image of God, created to walk an in intimate relationship with God. And if you don't walk like that, we will be tempted. And we will believe lies. And we will doubt God's promises. And we get messed up and broken. So, on the next slide, I've got some pictures for you. Meeting our needs uh, through creation or the Creator. Now, that is a picture of three delicious cones of ice cream. Okay? And all of you said, nummy, nummy, I want it for my tummy. Okay? Um... I like ice cream. I confess, uh, you know, when you have all those puddings at a buffet, etc., I will inevitably have some ice cream in my plate, okay? I enjoy ice cream, and that's some nummy cones with some chocolate dripping over and some nummy crumble, probably, I don't know what's on there. It looks nummy. I hope it looks nummy to you. I look for a nummy picture for you, okay? So, I um, know, some of you said, chocolate cake is my killer, okay? Put a picture of chocolate cake. So, why am I doing this? You know, if you are hungry, uh, you can eat ice cream to satisfy your hunger. And it will satisfy your hunger a little bit, okay? But all the parents know that their children would love to have ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and supper... But parents know that doesn't result in very strong, very healthy, very, you know, vibrant children. And so, any respectable parent doesn't give their children ice cream for breakfast, lunch and supper. Okay? We need good food. But the child doesn't get it. I want more ice cream, mommy. I want more ice cream, mommy. I don't want my veggies, mommy. Okay? Been there, done that. So, I've got a picture of some nummy food. Okay? it's roast chicken and potatoes with gravy, and there's some carrots and there's some green stuff. I couldn't actually figure what the green stuff is, but if it's green, it must be good, you know. So anyway, don't you think that looks nummy over there, you know, for a child? And let me say, sometimes for spiritually ignorant people, you kind of I just want ice cream. And these are just two simple pictures of of how the enemy comes to us. How does he bring us into the place of doubting God? Because we kind of look at, you know, when you two or three, you look at ice cream and you look at peas and you're like, mommy, you want to kill me? No, I don't. I want you to be strong and healthy. Okay. But when you're two or three, and when you're two or three spiritually, you can also look at some of God's promises and God's standards and God's ways and say, God, you want to kill me? No, no, no. I love you, my son. I want you to mature. I want you to be whole. I want you to be a world changer. I want you to have a healthy family. I want to bless you in every aspect of your lives. And we're like, I want more ice cream. I need ice cream. Get me the ice cream. And God's saying, it's, you're not going to be healthy, okay? And so these are just two beautiful pictures that I thought, sure, this shows so much how what God has for us is like this healthy, you know, uh, meal of roast chicken, potatoes, and veggies, which will nourish you and satisfy your hunger and provide all the nutrients your body needs, etc. Ice cream is not going to do that, okay? And so it's just such a beautiful picture that I thought, of how. We think ice cream is going to meet all our needs. And the enemy comes and he tempts us. And you know, when we look at that ice cream, it's like, absolutely, you know, I could eat this two liters of ice cream. How many of you have ever thought you could eat two liters of ice cream? Okay. How many have, you don't have to put up your hand for the second part. How many have eaten two liters of ice cream and afterwards they were like, I shouldn't have done that. Oh my goodness, you know. Should have listened to my mom. <laughs> Why did I listen to my mom? My well, mom knows better. Okay. God also knows better. You know, God and moms, they're very, they're sort of on the same level, you know. <laughs> okay, so let's go to the next slide. What are we saying about this? God is our main meal. He is our sustenance. And for some reason, uh, and if for some reason there is no dessert, we are still okay because we have Him to depend on. The danger is that creation is deceptive. In that although it can quench our thirst in the short term, it just doesn't sustain us in the long term. Creation will always leave us hungry for more. You know, you eat ice cream. You may satisfy your hunger, but you know, an hour from now, if you're really hungry, you're going to be saying, Ah, feed me mommy. In the next slide meeting our needs through the creation or the Creator. When Jesus met the woman at the well in John 4, verse 13 to 14, He said this, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Folks, there is a delicious, healthy meal called Jesus that He wants you to go to to meet your deepest needs of love, purpose, and value. The enemy wants you to doubt that promise. He wants you to believe lies that that's not true. And he wants to tempt you to eat ice cream that is not good for you. That's his strategy. But he's looking at your needs. Recognize your needs. Recognize your needs. And this is the journey. The journey to wholeness is a journey to recognize unhealthy patterns in your life where you have been building broken systems that cannot hold water. Instead of going to a well That is provided by God. Drink fresh water that is Jesus Himself that He wants you to drink from. And I've said all along healthy relationships, a healthy career, a healthy understanding of God's provision that's all good. Don't let it take the place of God. Enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za. And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061 We hope to see you soon. God bless you.